from understanding of your word, for knowledge that comes through your word. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to understand what your spirit is teaching us through the things that we know are a benefit to us because they are your word and they are your law and they are your plan for us. So we thank you, Lord, you have a good plan for everybody here. That plan is possible for them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you, Lord, for knowing that all things are possible for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Now, last month we were talking about the unholy trinity, the uh, spirits at uh, Jezebel, Ahab, and Pharaoh, and we talked about some of the characteristics. Today I'm going to go into more detail on this because I want you to get a feel for how... I guess how subtle these powers are when they work and how we've all fallen under the influence of these powers. Uh, There's no condemnation to people. Nobody's being picked on. Nobody's being talked about because certainly I have a story to tell (laughs) if you want to talk about (laughs) messing up and finding God. But we want to make you aware So that when these influences come upon you, you understand that they are not your normal human responses and you can respond differently. You can respond according to the word. You can make decisions according to the word. And you can make your plans to follow the word of God if you will understand how these influences work and what they do. So we're going to talk about the unholy trinity And how these influences are probably becoming more noticeably dominant in the world. Hopefully as Christians we have the discernment to know that even though they look like it's okay to behave this way and there's nothing wrong with whatever, whatever. It does lead to destruction because it is not God's way. If nothing else, God is a God of order. He has already ordered things. And he is a God of structure. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament talks about his handiwork. So when you look up at the sky, you can do nothing but accept the fact that God made those things. It speaks that God made it. So in other words, the word is saying it's pretty obvious that God made these things. A human being could not do that. And so once we understand the extent of God's involvement in our lives, I think we'll want to to get to know him in a very special way and that it is in the realm of obedience to his ways and resisting the old ways or the ways of the flesh or the ways of the world. So if we understand that when Adam disobeyed God, instead of... um, Godly angels being on the the thrones of the heavens and of the dominions that are ruled by the heavens, the uh, fallen angels took those seats of authority. So there are, are ruling princes that govern territorial areas. Say like for instance, and they're not all strict geographical areas. Oftentimes in cities, 
you'll see territory split up east side, west side. Uh, in Detroit, anything south of 8 Mile, anything north of 8 Mile, there is a strict uh, spiritual divide on that main thoroughfare. Even if you go down that particular avenue, on the north side of 8 Mile, there's businesses, very few. But on the south side, there's all these strip bars and stuff like that. So you can tell where one territory ends and the other one begins. Well, when, when Adam fell, the devil had the permission to separate and divide up the earth into territories. And he put his own fallen angels in charge of these territories. Now, what we do as believers, we are redeeming and buying back those seats of authority. In fact, we have the authority to execute judgment against them at any time. You don't have to ask anybody. This is all done by unction and the moving of the Spirit. Okay? But notice I said unction. Okay? Now, there are a lot of people that feel things, but it ain't unctions. When there's an unction, you have the results of God. Without an unction, you just get people talking at demons and thinking they're casting it. You all know the play stuff, so I don't need to go through that again because we've seen so much of it. But if you will understand that, there is a power in God that will unseat principalities and powers so that righteousness can prevail. This is what God wants he wants righteousness to prevail, and he wants people to be able to see through the deception and make the proper choice <clears throat> so that they can live a better life. They can make a choice for God and not have to just go along with the flow all of the time. When there are, are major moves, counter moves of the enemy to gain ground or get a greater foothold in the lives of people, you will see what we call movements on the earth. There was a civil rights movement that started in the 50s and the 60s. Now let me tell you how movements happen. Oftentimes there is an awakening by God in the heart of one of his servants to start to speak against certain things that are wrong, speak against certain injustices, all that kind of stuff. God will start a move, and then the devil will jump on the bandwagon with it. So the devil always comes in to pervert things and to explode them, and so he can control them. You'll find this in every major move of God on the earth in revival. The last revival, they talk about the great Azusa Street revival, started out with a very humble man who prayed and wanted the power of God in his life. And when other people saw the power of God, they began to help him with the work. And then the devil got in with people who were jealous of what he was doing and began to come in and destroy it. And because he had such a respect for God, he kind of just let it go. He refused to strive with people. He refused to fight with people. And that move of God got destroyed because of human striving over it. Now, there have been attempts in this, this latter, latter 20, 30 years to, for God to begin to move among the people. And there is such strife, ambition, and contention 
among the servants that it barely gets off the ground right before it's perverted already. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's a greed and ambition now. Because of mass communication, we know that your ministry can blow up overnight if you get the right people to endorse you or you're found at the right meeting or the right person takes a liking to you, get up in the right pulpit, you know, you can explode all over the place. And that's what's happening to people. And so God has to find people who will carry what he's, we're, we call the move of God, but it's a, a revelation from God and it's a, an anointing that goes along with it so that it can come into the earth and bless people. But so many times people get greedy for notoriety, so forth and so on, they kill it. So the minute human fingerprints get on it, God's done with it. And so that's why you'll find some moves of God where people think God's still there and they're still laughing and falling in the aisles and they got gold dust falling all over everything and God's not there. He left a long time ago. They're the last ones to know he's not there. So that's what happens with church people. In the world, though, God will start a move where he wants to demonstrate truth. Because somehow... Some lie is being believed by most of humanity and they think it's the truth and God will move on somebody to just begin to erase the lie, proclaim truth so that truth gets to be obvious. Now, the civil rights movement, it was very obvious. All men are created in God's image and they are created equal in the eyes of God. God wanted that truth pronounced. And so he began to raise up servants who would demonstrate that truth. Rosa Parks refused to sit in the back of the bus because she knew that her place was wherever she wanted to make her place. Nobody could tell her where she belonged because she's made in the image of God with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of any seat you want to sit on the bus. You understand what I'm saying? So when these truths begin to come alive in the hearts of people, they'll begin to act on truth. The enemy then will come in and try and pervert truth. He always wants to come in and try and pervert truth. In the civil rights movement, it really didn't matter who you were. What God wanted people to see is you need to treat each other like brothers because you are. You need to quit acting like animals and and, and uh, sub, sub, uh Putting one another under bondage and subjection, you don't have that power over one another. I want it stopped. And in order to demonstrate that, he began to open doors of opportunity for people of different nationalities, people of color, people of minority, just to prove to the world that that person is not an inferior person because look what I can do with them if they are given the opportunity to do it. So you see people excelling in basketball and sports and entertainment and and then in in the, the academic arena and all that kind of stuff. So when God sees us believing lies, he must show us the truth. And the best way God can let you know what truth is, it must be demonstrated. So he will open doors for people to demonstrate that they have abilities just like this person of a different color, and you always thought that wasn't true, but now you know what the truth is. And God's going to continue that. He's going to continue to open doors for people based on their 
character, their ability, their talent, and not the color of their skin or their gender or anything else like that. When it gets twisted is when certain groups of people want then to try to start to dominate the movement with their agenda. And so whenever one person comes in and wants to dominate and put down another group because I think this way and you think that way, that's when the devil's got in and got it all screwed up. So now what we have is a kind of a parade of different groups of people who want to claim some kind of special status because they feel they've been oppressed, they feel they've been... So that's the twisted end of what starts out as a move of God trying to help us to understand that we're all the same as far as he's concerned. We all have abilities. We all are important people to him. We're all necessary. We all have something we can contribute to society. There is no wasted humanity. And he does that to keep us from wasting talent, gifts, and abilities that we will need to help us be sustained in the years to come. For instance, if God has a group of people and there's a certain gift block in that group of people, maybe because of genetics, because of there's the society, the culture that they come out of, if we shut the door on that gift block, then we've really caused our own demise because we're going to need that gift block at some time to come in to society and help us all. We are here to help one another, and we desperately need one another. And so if we don't have certain groups of people, say in their culture, they value uh, they value maybe their older grandparents and people like that. If we don't have those kinds of people as an example and setting that example in society, we could be dominated by people who think, well, just because you're a certain age, you're taking up too much space and we need to... You understand what I'm saying? So God knows what he's doing because he puts certain dominant characteristics in different cultures where he will, he will cause people to see that their life is better because they value this certain kind of attitude or these kinds of things. Well, when that happens, it's a good thing for everybody, but the enemy can come in and twist it and pervert it by making it seem like it's a joke or it's not important or ridiculing people because of what their culture tends to value, et cetera, et cetera. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And so when, when we find that certain groups want to dominate in a, a movement or, or have their agenda pushed ahead of somebody else's, anytime there's pushing, shoving, and somebody trying to get an advantage, the devil's involved. Okay? And this is what's happened with this, what we call the quote-unquote civil rights movement. We've got all kinds of groups now pushing their agenda and claiming they've been discriminated against and blah this and blah that. You understand what I'm saying? When 10 years from now, they might be in a totally different group. See, your gender and your skin color will never change. But your sex, sexual orientation might, you know, depending on what side of the bed you get up on. So this is how these movements get perverted. Nobody thinks that you are not capable because you like to sleep with people that's just like you. We think you're a little strange, and we think your species will be extinct real soon. You understand? How, that'll take care of itself, more or less. You understand what I'm saying? 
But if you're really talking about gift abilities being wasted and oppressed and not being allowed to get expression, you can think about areas where people cannot change. You cannot change the culture that you're born into. You cannot change your traditions and history and all that kind of stuff. You can blend in with society, but things, these things typically do not change, nor can you change the color of your skin or your gender. So on that basis, God wants people to know that we're all equal, we're all necessary, we're all needed. And he can put gifts and abilities in anybody of any gender. It does not have to be certain male, certain female kind of thing. He can put any gift in anybody that he wants to put in there. He does it sometimes just to show us we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, show us he's God and show us he's sovereign and he can do anything that he wants to do. So that's the movement. So any movement that happens in the earth oftentimes starts out as a genuine move of God because God will begin to stir people up to want to get truth in. They want to, they're dissatisfied with one group having advantage over another, certain kinds of oppression and so forth and so on. And God often will speak to people that he wants truth in the earth and he wants the nonsense to stop. He wants people to value one another. Now, what does that have to do with the unholy trinity? Well, when the whole unholy trinity, their main job is to stop the progression of truth in the earth. They want to stop truth from being known and being received by people. But once truth is out there, they don't have much, many ways to stop it except to twist it and pervert it. So if they can twist it and pervert it, then they can make the truth not as viable, not as uh, godly, And it won't have the results that God wants it to have because it's been twisted. Once it's twisted or perverted, then God cannot use it. And oftentimes he has to scrap the whole thing and start all over again and get what we call present truth into the earth. It's not really a new truth, but it's the present way that God is expressing it because it's been twisted and perverted and it needs to be cleaned up. So oftentimes, the minute God's, it's like the potters, the potters work. When they put the, the um, clay on the spinning wheel, if they touch it lightly, it'll be smooth. If they touch it too hard, a fingerprint will be on there. And if it dries with a print on it, they've got to break it, throw it in the heap, and start all over again. And that's what God does. When man's handprints are on any work that he starts, he will scrap it, start with somebody new, get truth into them, and start all over again. And so that's what he does with movement after movement after movement. So God does want the whole earth to be filled with the knowledge of his goodness. He wants everybody to know who he really is and wants us to quit believing lies about God because there are many of them out there. Lies about God really kept us from receiving Christ. There's something in your mind you thought God doesn't, oh, he's out to get me and he doesn't mean me any good and I don't want to talk to these Christian people or I'm going to have to be a religious fanatic. I don't want to go to church all the time like they do and not be able to party. And that, You understand what I'm saying? All of those things are twisted in God's, you know, twisted truths about God. You can say they're, they're half-truths. The truth is God does want you to go to church. 
And he does want you to worship him. But it's not going to have the effect on you you think it's going to have. You're going to enjoy it once you're born again. But the devil twists it to make you think that you'll have to do this in your present condition. Oh, no, honey, you'll be born again. By the time God gets finished changing you, you're going to love worshiping him. You won't be able to stop going to church. You'll want to read the word. You'll want he changes you from the inside out. And so if we understand that these subtle changes in the truth that God brings into the earth are merely twists, turns, inside out, upside downs of the devil, it's not, he doesn't just say no. It's like, hath God really said? Remember that conversation? This. Is that what God really said? Yeah. I didn't hear him say that. You see, twisting. So that, and if something twists, it don't fit. And if it don't fit, you got to quit. You understand what I'm saying? If it doesn't fit, it's not right, it won't work. So you can't twist anything in God's word. You have to take the truth as it comes. So it is the job of the unholy trinity to twist and pervert truth. They never tell you that God's lying because they're after your faith. So all they need to do is get you to doubt if he meant it for you, if he really said it. Did he say it like that? Like people say, do you believe in the literal translation of the Bible? And I say, yeah, if the Holy Spirit is what you call literal. You understand what I'm saying? They want to make you, put you on the spot and pin you down and make you doubt if you really believe the Bible. Hello? So when they say literal, you think and you say, well, what does that mean? Like word for word and everything is true. Like, Yeah, if literal means the Holy Ghost translation, that's the one that I believe. Well, I mean, do you really believe homosexuality is a sin? Yeah, I do. Because that's the Holy Ghost translation. I don't know what you call literal, but I translate by Holy Ghost. And if you had him, you could understand it the way I do. Uh, And you believe it too. Crazy people. Like I always say, they never have the right preachers on. You know why? Because God won't let you cast your pearls in front of swine. You know, who needs that kind of grilling about the word? You know, they'll come a day, they'll have a day in their life where they really need God. And they won't be grilling some Christian about whether they believe the Bible is really true. They'll be looking for something they can hold on to. Happens to everybody. Okay, so on page 15 in the prayer manual, we're going to talk about the curse of Jezebel. And it says here is a ruling spirit, Jezebel, the female deity. Now, you have to understand that Jezebel can be passive or aggressive, just like the male deity can be. But we do give the passive male deity a name, and the aggressive one has a name as well. So that's because they were found in the Bible that way. We didn't make this stuff up. So Jezebel is a female deity. She rules in areas where female authority dominates over a passive male. And this is a man who will allow the woman to rule. The only way the woman can rule 
is through an absent male or a passive male or a male who will allow it. This is found in 1 Kings 21.8 where Jezebel signed King Ahab's name to official documents causing another man's life and property to be taken. So there she usurps his authority by signing his name to something because he was too weak to do it. He wanted Naboth's vineyard, and all he did was whine and cry about it. In fact, the Bible says his face was long, and she kept asking him what was wrong with him. They sound more like a mother and son than they do a husband and wife. So you'll find this in this type of of, uh, relationship. It said the Spirit takes true spiritual life, joy, and harmony away from people. So this spirit will tend to dominate people's lives in such a way that it saps the life and the joy and the family harmony. It says it is evident that a dominant female must usurp authority over the male in order to gain control. Since the man is head of the wife, this headship role must be relinquished or relaxed in order for the female to dominate. Therefore... The seed of false authority must have a cooperative pair in order to function. So these two look like they're at odds, but they really are like Bonnie and Clyde, you know, partners in crime. Uh? Jezebel gains control often by being helpful to the husband. Uh? Instead of, now listen, this is what God gave Adam. He, when he created the woman... He created her as a helper sufficient for him to complete him so that when they worked together, they had dominion over everything on the earth. The earth was subject to them. In domination, one person ceases to function and the other one has to function like two people. Absolutely. And that's why you'll find complaints then. Say, if the, the man is passive and the woman feels she has to do certain things, she'll feel like she's overworked, overtired, all of this kind of stuff, because it's not then a delegated sharing like God intended. It's somebody's not doing what they need to do, and the other person feels more responsible, huh? because they feel it won't get done if they don't do it. You understand what I'm saying? So these things are normal twists in the carnal mind this is normal carnal thinking that's why it's so familiar to everybody because we've all lived there we've all had that situation in our lives so Jezebel starts out by wanting to be helpful it's a perverted helper role the helper role that God gave them was God was the head of the man and the woman the man was the head over the woman And under his delegated authority, she functioned only in the parameters where he allowed it, so to speak, under God. So they were both flowing under God, but it was divine order because the man had total responsibility. And he was able to delegate some things to the woman just because she was able, with her gifting and her ability, to function in certain areas. And then everything was covered and everything was complete. And they had a good time in the garden. Huh? Married people need to say amen. 
you didn't have to cook, you didn't have to clean, just run around with no clothes on, eating off trees all day long. I would say that's pretty easy. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Just plug in with me, please. Don't sit out there like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. All right, okay. So <clears throat> it says, therefore, the seat of false authority must have a cooperative pair in order to function. Jezebel gains control often by being helpful to the husband. Homes are splitting with the increase of female-controlled wealth. Often women begin to work outside of the home in order to help the family get ahead. Now, how many times have we seen that, heard that, and done that? Now, let me tell you where it works. It works if they both respect God. Because this system was meant to work under God's authority and only under God's authority. If they don't both respect God, you may find one or the other taking advantage of little gaps in, in the coverage. And so if they both respect God, God can tell the husband his plan for the family And then it's up to the husband and the wife to work out who handles this, who handles that, you handle this, you handle that. Set our goals, go forward, and we're able to do a wonderful thing under God. Under God. Let me tell you what most people do nowadays. They look at the TV. They look at the news. They look at society. And they get under these three instead of being under God. It'll work only under God. If you're not willing to pray and ask God what his plan is for your family and then obey that plan, you'll fall in line with this nonsense. You may fight it for a long time and have success in the world system for a long time. But at some point... What's sewn in that's twisted and perverted, God's going to have to kick out, and the whole thing may crumble. You got it? All right. So it says, often the woman begins, women begin to work outside the home in order to help the family get ahead. If the man becomes passive and discontinues working or taking headship responsibilities in the home, then what started out as a good idea becomes a point of strife in the family. There's this show now, Real House Husbands of, I mean, they got so many goofed up Jezebel Ahab. I mean, if you really want to see how these, these spirits interplay, watch some of these real shows. Real skanks of this and real... You understand what I'm saying? Because that's all it is. It's not worth re-watching if you're a Christian. Huh? And now you may say, I just watch it for a little fun. But you're picking up stuff. It gets sown. Huh? It gets sown and it gets fed. Huh? Who is that? The crazy girl with the... Yeah, Nene. Y'all see, I told you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all going to be Nene. That little husband, invisible husband she got. Huh? <laughs> so what started out as a good idea can become a point of strife in the family. Now listen, if strife breaks out, then you go to the word. Huh? You go to the word. 
You don't try to get the last word. You don't try to, to be the one that wins the argument. You go to the word. Let God win the argument. He says, resentment on the part of the woman because her husband won't do what he's supposed to do. May cause an already discouraged man to give up his God-given position as head of the home. There is nothing wrong with women working to help the family to get ahead. Okay, so I'm not trying to say everybody stay home. Huh? Although some of you need to. How you like them apples? See, you thought you was off the hook and I put you back on again. Now you've got to figure out who's supposed to be staying and who can go, huh? <laughs> gotcha. However, before a family makes any plans, they should ask God's permission, direction, and blessing on what they do. Don't try to do any of this without God. Agreement between husband and wife is essential to any successful godly plan. So when somebody's disgruntled, you need to go to the word. You need to find out, did we veer off of the plan we had somewhere? And do we need to get back on track here? There are fruits evident in Jezebel's control situations. In the family, the absence of the male sometimes occurs through a number of re- early death is one. Divorce, lack of marriage, or domestic violence. The lack of fathering in children leads to insecurities. Children need to have a balanced influence in their lives to grow properly. If that weren't true, we'd be like little amoeba. You could have babies on your own and, you know, everybody, one sex would have theirs, one sex would, you know what I'm saying. So it takes both, and that's why God set it up that way. So it leads, children leads to insecurities, that is rejection or fear of rejection. Lack of discipline, is that a growing problem in our society? Lack of self-control. Oftentimes all the dad has to do is shut up and look at the kid and they'll back down. See, they'll know that there is an authority in the home that mimics the authority that the government has or the boss has or the teacher or the principal, whoever it is, that has authority over that person's life. So lack of self-control and early death. Now, early death comes in when children dishonor their parents. And if you have parents that don't get along, that strive, they, the children eventually lose respect for them. Uh, they eventually lose respect for those parents, and they will act out accordingly. So if parents would do their job, they wouldn't set the kid up for trouble that will cause him to lose his life early. You see what I'm saying? Oftentimes you'll see a, a woman raise a kid all by herself. Oh, my baby, why would they want to kill my baby? Well, there's no protection there. You know, and you feel for people like that because they're, they're operating in ignorance. Because they're just going along with what society tells them is normal or okay to do. But it won't lead you where you think you're going or where you think you want to go. And that's how the devil gets the ups on people. He twists and perverts truth. So that it's like the, the desire 
to be fruitful and multiply is in every human being. But it has to be done under God, under the right circumstances. So it's not that people's desires are totally wrong. It's they're twisted. They're a little wacky. They're out of joint. And they won't lead to where they think they're going to lead to. And it is sad. When you see women who have children out of wedlock because their mother did and nobody else encouraged them to get married and they never met a man that they could respect or blah, 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 blah. And then the children are abused and beaten by a boyfriend or something and they want a good life, a normal life. They're just twisted and reaching at it the wrong way. Well, these three are responsible for that. Okay, lack of discipline, lack of self-control, early death due to dishonoring parents, imprisonment. Deuteronomy 28.14 says that you will bring children in the world because, and you will not enjoy them because they will go into bondage. That's prison. Now, where's your son? Oh, girl, I haven't seen you in 12 years. How's so-and-so? Well, he in jail. Huh? You don't enjoy that. Uh, It's a heartache to a parent. It says the male role of covering or protecting the female is broken down or absent. And this missing covering or missing protection allows no shelter from demonic influences in the family. So it's when God is not the head, the husband's not under him, and the wife's not under the husband, that when there's a crack, In the covering or the protection, the devil can get in and speak words and influence the minds of people. It's that simple. Consequently, Satan is able to attack this family at will by deceiving the woman. You'll see many times people will say, well, you know, she was getting ready to start her new life. She had just gotten divorced from an abusive husband, and she found the man she thought was nice. Huh? It's like, how can you keep getting tricked over and over and over? Well, you're deceived. You're in darkness, but you keep reaching in darkness for what you think is light. It says here, a deceived man may abandon the family, feeling himself useless or not loved or needed. Adultery spirits attack the male as he battles spirits of incest brought in through a mothering or domineering type of behavior in the wife. The man may have difficulty relating sexually to a woman he considers a mother figure. Hello? Well, that's pretty pretty deep, ain't it? But you can see that's true, can't you? Huh? So women sometimes will say, well, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I don't understand why he, well, that's the problem. Huh? Who told you you were supposed to? Huh? I figure like this. (laughs) That is just me figuring it. As Paul says, I, not the Holy Ghost. Huh? Let the brother grow up and be a big boy. Let big boy drive the car. Let big boy get in his grays and his greens and go out and make some green. And whatever comes in, that's what ours is. We split it half and half. Huh? <laughs> but don't take on a role other than what God's called you to take on. Hmm? 
You don't want to be consoling a man who's in self-pity all the time. My God, I don't even want to look at myself when I'm feeling sorry. How are you going to cuddle up with something like that? You understand what I'm That's just a mess. Okay, I've seen your feminine side, and we don't like her. Put her away. Huh? You know, women who are fearful, they think if they don't keep a man pacified, he's going to go somewhere. That brother ain't going nowhere. Because the mess he's in right now, who would want him besides you? Huh? Just telling you what the truth is. Let a woman be a woman, let a man be a man. Huh? That brother get up and do something. I've seen it. They be all depressed because they got laid off from the last job. And man, that unemployment run out. They get them, brush them teeth, put their hair back, and get up there and go get them and go put that application in and just leave them alone. They don't need mothering. That's why they got married. They ran away from mama, and they found you. Peace. You know, let that brother stand up. <laughs> I thought of something, but I ain't going to say it. All right, let me see, let me see, let me see. Then the other thing is that if a man feels mothered, oftentimes they get angry and they'll retaliate against her by committing adultery against her. So you got to watch your, watch your mothering and watch your smothering. Huh? And especially if a woman is domineering or if they feel at least rejected, they'll want you, they'll put you through the humiliation of adultery. Another disturbing manifestation of Jezebel's influence is the increase of childbearing outside of wedlock. Even in situations where there is a male present, if there is no legal marriage, there is no godly protection or blessing it will not work. <clears throat> Homosexual households are abomination to the Lord. Leviticus 18.22 Even though all people are capable of feeling love and desiring to rear children, this is what they, they say. Well, I'm a loving person and I feel like we can be a family too. Okay. I... I can't tell you how not to feel. I can't tell you this, though. It ain't going to work. I don't care how many laws you get changed to say it's okay. It ain't going to work. There is a command by God to raise children in his nurture and admonition. If you raise them in a household that is not a man, woman, married, there is no nurture and admonition of the Lord. Nurture is the mother's role. Admonition is in line with the male's role unless it is delegated to the mother by the husband, legal husband. In families where godly single parents raise children, God, of course, will be a husband or wife wherever necessary until that person marries or, if God wills, continues in a single state or the marriage is reconciled where there has been divorce or separation. 
So you can have the benefits of God's covering simply by submitting to God no matter what your condition is. You can raise godly children as a single parent. You can have God as your husband and have those children's father if you will let yourself be adopted by God. And don't be running nobody in there, no uncle in there. They still ain't got no daddy. In families, okay, so we said that Jezebel also works in the church as a religious power. While many look for a domineering type of woman to carry the spirit, it can also be carried by passive men. But this power works in manipulative, sweet, and subtle ways. Now, most homosexual men do have carry Jezebel spirits. It's a false female spirit. So when we talk about Jezebel's children, the, the children born out of perversion or in perverted relationships, those are her kids. Okay. So she infects her personality into them. says this power works in manipulative and subtle ways as well. Pity, sympathy, and non-abrasive moods are also weapons of Jezebel, as seen in the story of Rachel and Jacob in Genesis 30. Baron Rachel envied her sister Leah, who was able to bear children for their mutual husband Jacob. Competition led Rachel to send her passive husband Jacob into her maid to conceive by her, so that she used the passive male to get power over another female that she was competitive with. <laughs> As you are beginning to see, the Jezebel Ahab personalities are quite common. Okay. This, is no, this is not some demon you run from or throw holy water at. They're everywhere, okay? You just got to stay in your words so you don't pick up their business. It says, all flesh is capable of giving in to these spiritual forces. Sexual manipulation and flirting are weapons used by this spirit to wield power over a man, as was used against Samson, one of God's judges. Remember Delilah? A male Jezebel is seen in the manipulation of David's daughter Tamar by her half-brother Amnon. He was lying in the bed, I don't feel good, come and feed me something, and wound up raping his half-sister. A male Jezebel, see, okay, we saw that. Amnon used weapons of pity and male domineering. It was pity until he got, grabbed hold of her and then he got real strong. His manhood came out. <laughs> Afterwards, it says his hatred of her was greater than his love for her. He was later murdered by his brother Absalom, and thus we have a record of the lust, hate, and murder triad. Jezebel tries to control God's prophets or mouthpieces through intimidation by her messengers. Now, I've had that happen to me when we were in uh, Canada, and I was having a meeting, uh, Mr. Bryson, late 
Bryson scarf that we had as our meeting over in his office, his pastor's wife came to the meeting, she thought, to check me out to see what I was doing because all these people in their church were, were coming down there. The husband never showed up, uh, sent Jesse. Uh, so God prepared a message for her. Uh, and I was preaching, and Miss Clydell was getting nervous and chewing her fingernails down to the nub. And after, after the meeting was over, she just looked at me. I said, you didn't think I'd get that bold, do you? I said, I kill devils the first time they show up. I don't let them come in and get comfortable. Huh? After the prophet Elijah slew all of Jezebel's prophets, preached a good sermon and got the people to repent and come back to God, Jezebel threatened to do the same to him through a message sent through one of her servants. Now, this is a very common tactic of that spirit. It'll happen to people, uh, preachers, after you preach. You'll you'll go home and something will come over you. You start to second-guess what you said. Did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? If you go out and witness to somebody... You'll go home, and after that, you're out of that anointing. You'll start to think, what did I say? Did I? Those are the messengers of Jezebel come to threaten you and get you to doubt that what you did was God to keep you from stepping out and doing it again. So she'll send messengers after everybody, amen, to see if she can control you and keep you. And if you stay in that mindset and stay fearful, you'll keep wondering Am I supposed to even go out and witness? Am I supposed to talk to people about the Lord? Blah, 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 blah. So watch yourself in that after you've obeyed God, there's still an open door for the enemy to come and steal future obedience from you in that same way. All right. So she threatened to do the same through, through a message sent to one of her servants. The same spirit of intimidation comes against many even now. This is why we strip her of her weapons when we pray. Don't let her have, that's like, you know, the slickest prisoner in the cell and they let him get a bobby pin. Remember Hannibal Lecter? They had him all strapped up and pinned up and that nut let him get, he had something he stole off of somebody's tray. And tow that whole place up, kill two people. Huh? That's her. Don't let her have nothing. So we strip her of her weapons when we pray. She sits on a throne or seat of authority, but she wields a lot of power and influence on the earth and in the heavenlies. Okay? One of the tactics that that people will use when they become aware of this spirit is that they'll attack Jezebel and never mention the two husbands. And see, unless you kill everybody on that seat of authority, the other two are free to roam around and do what they want to do. And so that's one of the main deceptions in the church. You see all this, this we're going to attack Jezebel and we're going to do this. You ain't going to do crap. Because you're scared of your wife, number one. That's why you want to go get this imaginary Jezebel. Don't let your wife find out you're going to do this. All right. Okay. We're going to move on. Talking about, talking about Ahab. <laughs> well, they're all weenies. You know, they just go, yeah, I'm going to go get Jezebel. You ain't going to do this to me. Yeah, shut up. 
just show me the fruit. Bring her head back here on a charger and I'll believe you. All right, so Ahab. We first meet King Ahab in 1 Kings 16. It is said that he did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. Wonder why? Because he had a helper in his evil. Okay? His crazy wife. He began doing evil and then compounded that evil by his marriage to Jezebel, who was of pagan royalty. He built an altar to Baal, which was her god, and had a seat of pagan worship among the people of God. The wall of Jericho was rebuilt during this time, having its foundation laid in human sacrifice. So whenever you see, that was a type of dedication that they did to false gods. Like in, in God's kingdom, they would lay 12 stones representing each tribe. No humans involved. In Baal worship, they had to go one higher. Whatever God requires, the dark side has to go higher, has to up the ante in order to get power. And so they would have some human sacrifice, and they would build a cornerstone. Their grave would be under that cornerstone and dedicated to that false god. And he protected if they made a human sacrifice. So it says, the wall of Jericho was rebuilt having its foundation laid in human sacrifice. During Ahab's reign, there was severe drought and famine in the land, as Ahab had little regard for the plight of the people. Ahab referred to the prophet of God as the troubler of Israel. So pastors say, or preachers with an Ahab spirit, will look at prophets as nothing but trouble. They don't want you there. They may smile and be nice to you, but behind your back they're plotting things. To try and get rid of you. It says Ahab also compromised with the enemy in sparing the life of King Ben-Hadad of Syria, perhaps by feeling a kinship to him because of his marriage to Jezebel, an act that proved fatal to him. It is apparent that Ahab is proud and ambitious, having his own ideas as how he will govern the people of God. He doesn't get godly. He doesn't get his vision from God. He has his own agenda own ideas. Perhaps his biggest sin is that of allowing his wife to use his God-given authority instead of obeying God. It is not known that Ahab allowed Jezebel to do this, but it appears that he profited by her activities when she would operate in his name. So this is how they work together to prosper one another. Because she was allowed to share in his rule, she shared in his judgment. She was killed by order of King Jehu, and the dogs consumed her corpse. Nothing was left but her hands, her feet, and her skull. So that's why, in the realm of the spirit, all she uses is hands, feet, and her brain. She needs a body to work through. So she is very handy. She likes to stay busy with all kinds of things. She's a helper all the time. Uh Be careful of women who always show up when you need something. No, don't get me started there, okay? What you need, baby? You need $50? You need, I buy you a Nintendo? I buy you, If your man don't want nothing but a PlayStation or Nintendo, you're on the wrong page anyway. You're already in boy school and don't know it.
you got a boyfriend? And he sits there with a thing in his hand, playing with it all day long. You call that a man? I don't care if he is 45 years old. Oh, oh, you got him a wee. Huh? Oh, okay. Okay. I can see that car derailing real quick, real quick. So she's manipulative. Manipulative people use their hands. Hand. The word manipulation, M-A-N-U, is the prefix for hand. So manipulators got their hands and everything. Busy all the time, helping all the time. Finally got it, huh? Who was that? Hold on yourself. Uh-huh. That's right. Get it, girl. That's right. Receive thee, the word. <laughs> Jezebel has a lot of influence over people's minds. She's a mind blower. She's a big thinker. Most migraine headaches are traced to that spirit. If you'll take authority over that, you get rid of the migraines. There are a lot of physical ailments, skin rashes, Jezebel spirit. Hello. You see them. There's a list of them in one of our scriptures on what I'm trying to think. I don't think I put it in this one, but I'll give you the list of them. They're in the Bible. One is an eruption of the skin, uh, balding in the, uh, you know, for women, you know, and I'm not talking about, but some, some women get this crusting on their scalp that causes an early baldness kind of syndrome. I'm not talking about what thinning that comes with age and you had hair all your life. We got a cure for that. It's a real easy cure for that kind of stuff. But you know what I'm talking about. The primary sin of the Ahab-Jezebel pair is their lack of reverence for God. Don't ask God about nothing. Don't consult God. Don't pray about nothing. Just go about what they want on their own. In families that are godless or pagan in their view of life, there are all types of of variations of this theme. And Ahab male will use the wife as a shield for creditors and other authority figures. Huh? Now they tell me in mafia households, they'll have the grandmother go open the door. Huh? Because the, who's going to hurt an elderly lady? So, And they're supposed to be big macho men, right? They throw grandma under the bus in a minute. The Jezebel female will use her role as helper to gain power in a subtle way. Neither power, pa- party relying on the word of God 
or the leading of the Holy Spirit to define their roles or guide their lives. When one or both spouses enter into covenant with God, this power is broken and godly rule can be established through praying the word of God and godly rule is established in the family. Amen? One caution we will add to this teaching is that any prayer to uproot this seed of false authority should be aimed at binding both spirits and all three. All right? We find that many times Jezebel is attacked, but Ahab is not addressed as forcefully or not at all. We liken this religious attitude to that of the Pharisees who brought the woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus to be judged but allowed the man to go free, knowing that the law provided for judgment for both. So this is how this power continues to dominate because Jezebel provides a foil or like a red herring. She can People run off chasing her, which she likes that because she likes to rule, she likes attention, she likes control while the husbands are free to do whatever they want to do. And they'll even come and talk about, well, that woman, i got to get my power back from that woman. Huh? This is a joke. Because the minute she rolls up again, they back on it, you know, they on a roll. Because they work together. All right. <clears throat> so the act of blaming the woman instead of covering and protecting her came through Adam's fallen nature. We see that in Genesis 3.12. Also, the woman's role was redefined from all-sufficient helper. That's what, that's what Adam, they were both called Adam initially. He looked at her, he called her Adam, she called him Adam. They both had the same name. She was called Eve after the fall. Now, Eve means the mother of all living. So the, the role of nurturer got perverted, blown out of proportion. And so <clears throat> that Adam named her, and he defined her role after the fall. But before the fall, God defined her role. Huh? He called her woman, which meant equal with him. She came out of me, and she is bone of my bone or flesh of my flesh. Okay? And so, but they were both called Adam by God. Huh? All right. Okay. <clears throat> While we're not trying to soften the impact of Jezebel's ungodly influence, we want to make intercessors aware that thoughtful study of the relationship between these two and not prejudice against women should be the motive in attacking this seat of spiritual authority. So you've got to get yourself free of any preconceived notions. And This is a spirit. This is not that girl you used to know or somebody's mother-in-law or your mom's or anything like that. This is a spirit. Much of the backlash and retaliatory warfare against prophets of God and intercessors comes from Ahab's influence. See, most of the prophetic voices shut out by male pastors. That's been the, the arch enemy of the prophetic movement since it started. Hmm? Pastors will kick you out of the church because if anybody going to prophesy in here, it's going to be me. Hmm? I don't want that praying in tongues because I don't know what y'all saying. Get out of my church. Uh, and so that's the Ahab thing. 
because they won't dig into God and receive the power. They try to manipulate and control it. Okay? So <clears throat> we, we encourage intercessors to examine the word to identify the source of spiritual influence and not look to suspicion, culture, race, human expectation, or human prejudice to evaluate situations that need prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit to identify for you the forces at work behind all human behavior to see if it is of God. If it is not of God, use the word as the authority in all matters. So you will just pray the word. It doesn't care. You don't care who it's aimed at. See? The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and really since spirits live eternally, you can't kill them. So you don't have to pray to kill nobody. You understand what I'm saying? You just let God handle these things. Because my, my, my thinking is this. The Bible says those who, those who give mercy will receive mercy. Don't you think God's mercy? And I think mercy prayers, uh, asking God to, to visit people with a spirit of repentance. Allowing people an opportunity to repent and come to the knowledge of the truth is far more merciful than having them kill somebody because they controlled by a demon. What did they do with you when you was controlled by devils? Nobody killed you. I mean, if God wants people dead, he know how to do that without your help. All right, where was I? Where was I? All right, the soft male or nice guy side of Ahab's personality often dominates in these relationships because the man has not been encouraged to be a leader by lack of godly influence, prayer, or role modeling. Authority becomes submerged under a nice or passive cloak and will often surface in the woman as she loses confidence in the man's ability to lead and acts without his consent. Now, how many times have you seen that in a marriage? You know, husbands, baby, I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to it. I'm going to get around to it. Huh? Yeah, when I get the right tool, that was... Your brother got a box of tools and still ain't none of them right. You know what I'm saying? Huh? But see, I learned how to pray. And not get moved by small things, you know. If you learn how not to get moved by small things, you won't move out of authority and out of God's control and out of power with God. So anyway, it says, it says here, in extremely dysfunctional relationships, the man allows his role to be totally dictated by the woman. Hence, the increased number of homeless, passive men who have lost confidence in their own abilities to make decisions to find employment or even desire families. See? They just are nowhere. Huh? Henpecked, cast aside, and no home. Often in these cases, there is sexual confusion in the passive male. Some of these men live with other men in homosexual relationships as their identities become further submerged into another's personality. So oftentimes in homosexual, in homosexual relationships, you'll see one person who's very aggressive in telling that other person how to look, how to act, 
how to dress, what money to spend. So that passive person, their their whole personality has been submerged and now the other person now can control them, do whatever they want them to do because of them losing their own identity. It's interesting that the feminist movement in this country encourages this type of male behavior, promoting the man who is not afraid to cry or show his emotions as positive while the authoritarian male or responsible or quote-unquote macho man rates a thumbs down. It is apparent that neither of these models is necessarily godly, but the emotions that each picture evokes says something about the spiritual force behind each one. The more dominant male, the Pharaoh male, personality, will be examined as well. In dealing with Jezebel and Ahab's seat of authority, it's important to understand that they are both defeated, Jesus having spoiled principalities and powers, They were defeated publicly. So all the spirit world knows they have no power. So all we need to do as a a church is wake up to that too and start resisting their influence in our lives. When people, when you tell people that you're a stay-at-home mom and they look at you like you're dirt, see, That's an influence that's trying to push you out of the household and into a role where you can be more easily manipulated. Right now, you know, certain families they have on television. You can see where they're setting people up to see if they can put them down. This Jezebel Nahab thing. You know, now they're going to try to get the Duggars on the chopping block. 18 kids and counting. Before you get on TV, you better make sure you know what you're counting. Because the devil will set you up with people who want to make you look foolish, want to make you look stupid. And really all this is is a personal decision that a married couple have made for how they want to live their lives. There's nothing really spectacular about it. But the enemy, by putting it on display where he can either lift them up mock them, tear them down whenever you get up there and somebody's paying you to let you examine, let them examine your life, then you're under their control. So you don't really have a say about the image that's projected. You don't have a say about what happens to you finally. The only thing you can do is kind of hang on for the ride. And trust me, the enemy will build you up and tear you down. Just depends on what what kind of mood he's in. If they feel like they want to run somebody else under your time slot, you'll probably get torn down so they don't want you on there anymore. Like John and Kate. Huh? Before, they were America's favorite family. They even were in a nice church. They showed them at the church and all this kind of stuff. The minute Jesus was mentioned on there, they got on the devil's hit list. And see, if you're not smart enough, To stay close to God. If you say you love God, stay close to him. Make him your best friend. And if you're not smart enough to do that, you'll go down. And you wish you hadn't even put your face on television by the time the devil's through with you. And so this is what the enemy likes to do when people want to live for God and promote their standard of living as counter to. That's why the devil doesn't put many of them on television. 
He'll put, you know, the Real Housewives of every place. There's 15 of those shows, and then you got one or two Christian families on television. And they're targeted because they want to be, he wants to diminish God in people's eyes, want to discredit God through making trouble for his people. So we have to be careful, folks, to stay in the flow of where God's going, both in your thinking, in your understanding, in the way you live your life, in the choices that you make. Like I said, what you do as a family is up to you to stay under God. huh? And quit the mushy stuff. You know, the manipulation, control this, uh, I don't like this about him, you don't like that. If you have a complaint about your spouse, voice it to the Lord and the Lord alone. You don't have to go around telling people huh? your troubles. You really don't. And if you'll let God work these things out, help you to work these things out, they will be worked out. But these influences are, are very powerful. They're very common, and they're getting more and more dominant in everyday culture and everyday society. As society in this nation gets more liberal, they get more tolerant of everything. People who take a moral high road are considered to be intolerant. We're haters. We don't love people because we have a moral standard. So we have quite a fight on our hands, folks, in demonstrating God's love, his system, his way of doing things, uh, demonstrating the fruit of God in our lives. We have to be ever so vigilant over our own souls to make sure that when we talk about these things, we're coming from the word. You know, you're full of the word. You understand the word. You obey the word in everything that you do. You honor the word as God's word and the final authority in your life. You're not wishy-washy about these things. You keep short accounts. You forgive quickly and with finality. You don't have to keep going back forgiving over and over and over again. It becomes a habit to walk in forgiveness and walk in love. And if we can do those things, we'll be less and less influenced by these different powers because love is the the principal thing. It's the highest of the fruit of the Spirit. And it repels every force that could ever come against it. And when I say love, I'm not talking about kissy smoochy. I'm talking about high obedience to God. Kissy smoochy is fine, but when you start getting into disobedience to God, then you cross the line. And so love will cause you to take God's Take God's word, take his side, take a stand for him in everything, and let the chips fall where they may. Whoever doesn't like it, it's too bad, but I must go on with God. He is my life. And see, if we don't go on with God, one of these other influences will creep in, and we'll be able to make a headway. We'll make some inroads into your life. But when you find yourself dwindling, drifting over into that type of behavior, you can always repent and stop it and get right back over into the realm of God. Because you don't need to go visit into the realm of darkness, manipulation, pity, coddling, all that kind of stuff, trying to get somebody to love you. Huh? You, you already got somebody to love you. Huh? He loves you with an everlasting love. And he will bring you somebody with skin on who is right for you. 
Because he gets sick of your little silly self sometimes, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let me find her husband, because she uh, worked me to turn my pockets inside out. And, you know what I'm saying? So we have to understand that God loves us so much, he has the best for us at all times. We don't need to play over in Jezebel's garden. We don't need to play manipulative games. We don't need to try and force anybody to do anything, to prove anything to us. Unless, of course, you got to ring the knot. I'm going to quit. All right. I'm done. Oh, praise God. All right. Praise the Lord. We're done. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So God wants us to be vigilant. Amen. He wants us to watch over our souls, the souls of men. When you come to the end of your rope, just let go of it and fall into the everlasting arms. God always has another prayer for you to pray. He's got another script for, scripture for you to meditate on. He always has another answer for you. So you're never out, out of answers. You don't have to resort to wiles to have anything or get anything or do anything. You can live a holy life consecrated to God. It's not a dull life. It's not a boring life. It's very exciting. I've been chased by the biggest of devils. And I've chased some, too. <laughs> Mostly I've chased them. But I'm, I'm saying that to say this. Don't look at life with God as being second rate by any stretch of the imagination. Just live it to the fullest. If you ever decide to live it to the fullest, you'll find it's not a second-rate life at all. But it's a glorious life. You'll never get put in the jail. Well, you might. I was going to say for serving God. But it'll be the best jail experience you ever had. Bet you that much. Anything that you have to face in serving God is worth it. Because he is a very much worthwhile God. Amen? All right, I'll stop. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding and for knowing exactly what these powers are like, what they do. Father, it, it amazes me how true this word of revelation is that you gave us 20, 25 years ago, Lord, that it has become more and more relevant and more and more evident as to what we're facing in this society and around the world. And Father, we know that your word prevails. We know that you spoil principalities and powers. We know that you made an open show of them and that you have given us the authority to execute warrants for arresting and judging, executing judgment, written judgment, on these demonic influences that try to control our lives. We thank you for the privilege and honor of serving you and being the ones that you have called to reign with you. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Should put on some music, please.